You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, Casey Chaos, I mean, the name couldn't be any more fitting. Um, when he's on the stage, I mean, he would jump up on the marshal with a head and the cabinet, and the marshal be doing this. Oh, my you God. Know, and suddenly be rocking. And then he'd jump <laughs> off and fly into the drum set, and drums would fly, and Shannon's still crushing whatever's in front of him. And people are trying to put it back up and they hit the drum in their face while they're trying to set it up. And, <laughs> and then Casey would come over right after a setup and just grab the cymbal and throw it across the stage. Like they just put that back. This is in front of fucking 80,000 people <laughs> in England. And I was sitting on stage like, these are my bros. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Hello once again and welcome to 2020. My name's Corey Peza here as always with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman who is holding up the new oh, there. Lost Symphony Chapter 3 record which if you have not checked out you should do immediately. LostSymphony.com. Go subscribe oh. to all the good music too because it's pretty ridiculous. Absolutely. So we're... the artwork's amazing so like if you guys haven't seen the artwork like it's <laughs> worth it to get it on vinyl because not only is it signed but like the artwork is awesome. I have it framed on my wall. Totally yes. agree. Yes, definitely the way to go. Um, should we just run in right into this, guys? Because like so this, this, we, we just we, got into this. We, we never even we? stopped. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you've watched the previous episode with Shannon Larkin, our guest host, and Mikey Doling uh, of Snot Fame, Channel Zero, Soulfly, uh, the conversation was so good, we just didn't stop. We let it, we let it just... It we just, just let it roll. Let it roll. So <laughs> we're going to drop in to the middle of a conversation, and I hope it makes sense right here on 2020 like subscribe do it 2020-d.com do you realize how many drummers copied not copied but were i guess copied shannon back in the day in the late 90s Influence. 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 Oh, no, no, no. You know, you well, listen. I'll tell yeah. you exactly how I found out the day I found out. I was pacing around my backyard. Shannon was having some rain problems in Florida because he has quite an ecosystem going on, and he was very lamenting. And I understand because there was a lot going on. But we're talking, and we're we're talking, and he's telling me um, about. Oh, I, well, I'm telling him how I think, wow, I saw Wrathchild because I had never heard Wrathchild. And my drummer, Paul Lorenzo, said, oh, dude, I used to watch Headbangers Ball just for that shit. Those guys are so fucking awesome. You haven't seen them? Shit, fucking pull that stuff up on YouTube. And then sat me down like the child that I am. And I just went like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should have seen them live, dude. And then I said to myself, I was next level. I called him back and I said, dude, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of like a young Vinnie Paul. And he goes, Benny, let me tell you something about Vincent. There's a song called Ace of Spades by a band called Motorhead. 
And there was this band called Pantera opening for me. And we played this band called Motorhead for him. And, and, and Vincent came up to me and was like, what's that double bass thing that you just did? And I showed him. And I was like, oh my God, becoming the song that made me think double bass was a thing beyond one. Like that was the next iteration <laughs> beyond one by Metallica. So you had Lars Ulrich, which we all know is just a joke by comparison. No, I'm, sorry. It's just, I'm just dude. lying. I love Lars. He's the best. He yeah, wrote all the best yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, he's on fair. everything. But that said, there's another level, a new level. And it was Becoming for me. When I heard Becoming, I was like, what is he doing? Is it an yeah. overdub? I don't get And Shannon. Shannon was, was the guy that's like, hey, man, there's a band. There's this guy named Lemmy who plays a fucking bass through a Marshall. Maybe you should learn <laughs> something. The double bass thing with Zimbardo to me. He was the guy. Yeah, for sure. When you heard Pre-Pantera. Yeah, I mean, you know. For sure. Pre-Pantera, for sure. The first time. Every drummer in the country, every drummer in the world. Heard Angel of Death and went, oh shit, time to hit the garage. <laughs> I mean, I was just a Slayer, Gene Hoagland back in the day, was, was just crushing that shit, right? That like the, those death that records. Gene, yeah. Hoagland. I can't, I can't say enough about that guy's. Right, dude. that dude was the one blowing everybody's head off for me. His work in Death was amazing. The band Death from. But did he play with Wait Dark on his Angel? Feet? Yeah, yeah played with with Dark Angel's drummer. Yeah, that was his. Let's not flip over mm -hmm. Chuck Schuldner, which a lot of, so first off, if you want to know what's metal, it's getting an MT2 boss distortion pedal and plugging it directly into a board and then playing death. That's the most metal thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And then <laughs> oh, yeah, you have okay. Gene Holden like playing, playing okay. drums behind that guy. And if you haven't heard death, go listen to it, be offended and go, that's what you're Bro, talking about. And then I realize it's genius. I saw five times back in the day. I used to see what was that like? Come on, catharsis. It was uh, completely, I mean, mind crushing. You know, I saw him with Hoagland, and then I forget the other drummer. I want to say it's Christie or what's his name? Rich uh, Christie? Richard Christie. You mean the guy that's from Howard Stern yeah. that makes all the crane yeah, calls? Yeah, but he's really the best drummer death. ever. I believe he played in death, right? Am yeah. I right about that? Yeah, he definitely, Richard Christie definitely played in death, and he's right. definitely a hilarious jerky boy wannabe. Right. I saw him. With them too, and Hoagland as well. But Hoagland played in a million bands, right? We uh, Strapping Young Lad, I mean, Testament. Uh, I think he even feel that, uh, was in Fear Factory for a little bit or something, right? Wasn't he? Yeah, for a moment? he was. He was. The biggest band was the cartoon band. Oh, yeah, that's right. Metalocalypse. Reds in that band. It's amazing. The metal, excuse me, metal. Yeah, Metalocalypse. Well, that's the yeah. biggest like, extreme metal band I think in history is Metalocalypse, yeah. I believe. Death, Death Clock. Yeah, well, well, yeah, Death Clock, Death Clock. That's yes. it, yeah, Death yeah, Clock. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's on it, the yeah. show Metalocalypse, yes. yes. It's like a history that, lesson for me. Godsmack <laughs> played, and it was us, then Megadeth, then Death Clock. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was in California, and yeah, Klaus was there, Mikey. Wow. I got, I got my picture with uh, Gene that day, and, you know, he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Uh, he's a yeah. huge man. He's a big boy. Funny man, I'm like, hey Gene, man, and he remembered me. He's like, hey Shannon, and he's real mellow and cool and nice. Way cool guy, yeah. And then when and he's like, oh, you know, and he's like really sweet looking and everything. And then I go, take a picture with me. And uh fucking, and then when I take the picture, I look at it later and he's like, and he looks at it. Like, he looks <laughs> hey, you know what though? I was going, I was going to to in the 90s, I was talking about how everybody was stealing your shit back in the day. Cause Shannon had moves. 
He had punch symbols. He was swinging this way and that way. He did the stick where he would like, like the death hold, you know, I mean, so many moves. And then I'd look over and see the drummer for, uh, I mean, everybody, right? Uh, Cole Chamber would be doing it or Seven Dust would be doing it. Uh, Hey, Jamie Miller was doing it, Uh, you know? Jamie's a different thing because, you know, he, I, me and Toomer were looking for a drummer because I was, singing in the band right and we saw this band called mary's suicide in baltimore maryland and miller was a drummer and you know at the time my band rat child was like the big metal band in baltimore washington and and so we were scouring suicide that's right we were mary's suicide and so tumor and i were scouring the club we we that's how we found jamie miller and so i personally wanted him to play like how i move and showed him the fucking things. And he so you're like, Obi Wan Kenobi. And he was like, Luke. And you're like, This is how you use so your yes, lightsaber. 100%. Yes. Yes. Tony fucking Goodman. That's correct. And so he, you know, <laughs> or Yoda. He, Let's go with Yoda. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> not that old. Come on. Um, hey, let me get back to wait. The first time you saw Mary Suicide, you accidentally walked in on that. No, no. Me and Tumor were trolling the fucking clubs in Baltimore, Washington, looking for a drummer badass enough to play behind me, man. Because like, I, I, <laughs> I was a drummer, you know, but I was going to sing in this band and my pit bull, which ended up happening. And I found right. the great Jamie Miller, who, like I said, I just showed him, you know, the one how I do this one little move. And he went from there. Like same thing if like, you know, Morgan, Morgan Rose saw me in the 80s or whatever. He might have he didn't like these guys didn't like copy me. They took were inspired and made their own fucking moves and started being showmen. Like, you know, when I first started doing this shit, you know, most drummers just sat and played, you know, like uh, they won't, you know, drummers are made to be uh, heard, not seen or whatever. Yeah. And I, you know, I was a little punk that was like, fuck you. I, you know, I want to be Angus Young on the drums or whatever. Right. And that's the thing. And so Which you I, were. Yeah. So I think I just, I inspired a bunch of, of drummers, but like, I, n- I never would say, you know, they ripped me off or anything. No, like that. no, no, no. I mean, Morgan Rose, dude, he's one of the best drummers in rock and roll, man, straight up. But he definitely was influenced you in the early years and is still to this day is carried into what he's doing now. But I mean, well, the know, funny he, part is, is now that you know, I'm 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 younger. Right. So I didn't know Rap Child. I grew up and I saw I remember hearing Seven Dust on the OzFest 97 Best Buy free single, right? You guys all remember <laughs> that. What a fucking Ooh. great a tool. If you went to OzFest, that you could go into Best Buy with your ticket and they'd send you this double CD. And I remember, and I remember fucking hearing that and it blew my fucking mind. And that's how you actually found bands. Remember when they used to release actual promotional singles and that's how you discover stuff. But that's how I heard seven dust was they put black on there. And I wow. remember, and I remember going and seeing them November again with snot, November 27th, 1997. And I remember thinking to myself that Morgan Rose was one of the fucking sickest drummers I had ever seen 100%. because he was just like fucking spinal tap. He was like the spinal tap where it was like animal. And I'd well, never seen that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where he got that from. But <laughs> right? if yeah, and that's the thing. Thank you, Mikey, because, you know, if you're me, see, what happened was also, I, you know, all these cats, like, made it before me that I influenced, right? And so what happened then is then they started inspiring and influencing all these younger drummers, which are like right. second generation Larkin. Well, really. you're like the OG player. I'm just saying. Well, yeah. 
Hey, any one of these drummers will admit it too. You talk to him, you say Shannon Larkin, like, oh yeah, well, no, but, home, but da- David Abruzzese schooled us because it was because when I when we had David on the show, when we invited Shannon on to be with da- uh, to, to do the David thing, I thought David was like the senior in the sense that like you know, but he was like, no, dude. Rap child. I remember seeing them in the eighties and being like, "You guys were the fucking best." And, blah, blah, blah. and then he goes into Pearl Jam and sells millions of records. But I thought it was going to be yes, younger son, blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. And I was schooled that like even David was like, "Oh no, dude, no, 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 no." Absolutely, Shannon Larkin, Shannon's the mighty school, Shannon man. Larkin. Yeah. Yeah, Shannon yeah. Larkin, I salute you. Yeah, and that's yeah, I think he said that exactly. Was Shannon Larkin, I salute you. Yeah. <laughs> so you were Angus Young on the on the on the drums because he did salute you. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> We've exhausted Shannon. Move on. I uh yeah, let's um let's talk about um Mikey Doling more. Oh shit. Um, well, why don't you ask a question, co-host? Hey I Shannon, you, I got Shannon. A what is it? Um so is the new shows that you're going to be doing in Belgium is there a new record coming out or are you supporting feed them with a brick or what well worse no uh, we had another record come out since feed them with a brick called exit humanity which we've already okay which I have I have that I wasn't sure the order of them yeah you have that album I have exit humanity but I have the did I I send it to you or did you go online and get that that you sent me but I also okay I also support my friends, and I buy. I love that. My they iTunes. have that. Dave I, Fortman mixed that record, by the way. It sounds amazing, and, and <laughs> yeah, man, dude, yeah, yeah. Seven on the drums, yeah, he's amazing. Yes, so. he's on that one. Yes, mm-hmm. and Roy Meyer is on the one before "Kill All Kings," which I don't know if you have that one. I have that, that one. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, that one too. Okay, cool. Um, uh, no, but we're going, it's more like we're not supporting anything new. It's just like COVID's over. Let's play yeah. some festivals, you know? Yeah. And uh, actually, this is pretty cool. In Belgium, the official day that they're letting festivals happen again with with uh, no separation of six feet and masks mm-hmm. and all that, because uh, we're actually doing two festivals where they still got to wear masks and they put 10 people in clusters on a field. 2,000 people separated by 10 at a time. Think about that wow. festival. It's really weird, like, looking out there. People are, like, in these little gate pods. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's going to be so bizarre. But we're doing two of those, like, in two weeks or something from now. This but one then, goes out to Lysol! But then, August 13th, we're playing the first festival where there's no bar, no holds barred. Go out there. It's 20,000 people. It's Alcatraz. We're playing with Testament and uh, oh a few other big bands. It's going to be, cool. it's gonna be uh, crazy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be absolutely nuts. And we actually asked the promoter, because we're pulled, we're headlining the big tent. We go on like 1130 or 11, something like that, which the tent like holds 5,000 people. You know those tents at festivals. Um, we're, we're headlining that thing. We got full production with fire and the whole nine yards. But we asked, we're like, look, what what time is the first band on? And they're all, yeah, uh, I think it's at 2, 2 p.m. We're like, can we go on before them? They're like, what? We want to be, <laughs> we want to go on twice a day. We want to open. We want to be the first band to go on since COVID in front of a crowd that doesn't have to be segregated or, oh or whatever. My God. You know, there's something else that 
uh, that's pretty cool. It's my other band, Wyote, which, yes. yep. which yeah. it's my like passion project. Like I've written some fucking songs with that band. Yeah, we're Wicked doing fucking our... heavy good stuff. That's like that again, lots of melody. And in, in... yeah, there's a lot of melody and it's really, really deep. great stuff, Mikey. Deep, great, deep, great, great stuff. And let me say this. It's a new Benny Goodman. Um, Mikey turned me on to Biote with these killer videos, right? And I'm like, dude. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the lyric and, videos. So he yeah. fucking hooks me up. So all five of those videos that we made for the apocalypse were all done by David Proven, his guy. No Mikey, drugs required, yeah. by the way. No yeah, drugs required. Just watch them sober yeah. and you'll still think. The flashbacks. The flashbacks. He's so good. David's the shit. Amazing. Like one of Mikey's Biote videos. It's just so cool. He did the Shogun Warrior thing. And it, mm-hmm. it looks, and the way, like you tell him, you know, just give him like some clues. Like a black. Oh, Dave, yeah. Or David, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just, he goes, man. So I always thank Mikey for that too, man. It turned yeah. Into- but so, hey, the Mike- reason I brought up Wyote, if it's okay if I continue. Yeah, go. It's because Wyote's playing our first show we've ever, ever. On September fourth in Belgium, we're doing a festival out there. That's and amazing. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about it. So I'm doing double duty. I'm doing uh, Channel Zero, and then I got two Wyote festivals or Wyote shows on top that's, of it. So, that's and cool. Yeah. Just double just for anyone that's fun. that's listening, um, where can people find the the Wyote stuff? Okay, <laughs> we're not. We haven't released anything yet because, and there's a reason why. Um, we had in the beginning, we had a different singer and that's what you saw Shannon with those lyric videos. But since then we replaced our singer because unfortunately we started doing rehearsals and he couldn't really pull it live. Mm. So Mm. we had to replace him. So, um, I called Aaron Nordstrom from Gemini syndrome. Oh yeah. I know Aaron, my boy, I produced their first record, Gemini syndrome's first record that got them signed to Warner and we're friends ever since that. Um, so I asked him to do this with me as a side project for him. Cause of course he's busy with Gemini. He's that band is full on right now, but we got in the studio together with Chris Collier, who's producing like the new corn stuff, um, prong, uh, Doug Pennick stuff. Anyway, we got together, and those are the songs I sent you, Shannon, that we did. Amazing. Thank you. But we can't release anything until Gemini Syndrome is done with their record cycle right now. They're dropping singles on their new album right now, and their management asked me to just hold back. We can play live shows. We can't put anything online. So those songs actually are not going to be released. Could be a year. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to go out and play live shows and have a great time. He said, that's fine. I asked him, I said, well, might get on YouTube. He said, that's cool. As long as you're not out there pushing singles and shit, you know? So that's my answer. If you ask where they can get music, you can't get it right now. So I'm sitting on it. Yeah. Yeah. I got some on my phone along with some of Kirk Hammett's riffs that he didn't put to the cloud when he lost in Hawaii <laughs> going around because apparently that's where how Metallica didn't get the record was, uh, you know, Kirk Hammett broke his phone. But I do have some Wyote on my phone, and I'll tell you, no, I very I, much I've given it. it to some friends just on the promise. Oh, well, I'm a friend. Online. Oh, man. Yeah. He said it. Oh, you guys on, heard man. it. You all heard it. You know, Shannon's the first one who got those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt so honored, too. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I do. 
And Mikey's the first person that I sent shit to on the new Apocalypse demos. Yeah. This yep. out that fucking on my last the last record, the shape blues to come. Because yeah. And Mikey's one of the only dudes that got the reference, you know, too, of that record title. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yep. And that's why I bought the damn vinyl as soon as it was available. I'm like, I want to try to be the first guy. So I, <laughs> I don't even know. You know so, yeah. Well, I love yeah. the fact that you guys are showing the camaraderie in like the music industry, because like obviously so many people are used to like, you know, uh, bands, you know, I, I, a lot of the time we'll put down other bands like at, to see the uh, to see bands lifting each other up, especially after COVID too, because that, if anything that COVID did God, for yeah. me, it, it just makes me like I'm so excited for any success for bands. Like where I used to be, like oh fuck that guy, he sucks. I'm like oh no, good for you, man, good for you, P- playing your shitty covers with your shitty fucking cover band. Like, but you're making money and you're doing what you love, and like I'm proud of yeah. you. Like that's how hey. I feel now because like if this has taught us anything, stop being petty and just support your friends and support music because yeah. it's fucking better than ninety nine point nine percent of everything else. Hell yeah. It seems like, especially with you guys, um, you know, because you've been doing it for so long and you're in that club, it seems like a pretty small club uh, of musicians that have really stood the test of time. Um, And it's, it's, you know, it's it's not an easy career to make last. So Shannon came right out of high school, even before he graduated, (laughs) it was touring in a freaking car. Yeah, <laughs> like when he was like fifteen or fourteen or something, right, Shannon? True, it's true. Yeah. I I la- I got lucky, you know. And you're in your fifties. I, I mean, I landed, you know, from Rothschild, America, where this dude Sully Erna came to see us play in North Carolina with Reed, the drummer from Corrosion Performance. From- God rest from- his soul, man. Yeah, I- and, uh, icon. Fucking icon, hero of mine. Yeah, and, absolutely. And then his friend Todd. But that night, and then we just hit it off. And, you know, wow. years later, I got lucky, you know, because I joined this tank that, you know, has just for 18 years now just kept being successful, you know. And so it's enabled me, you know, to be able to still do things like MF people. Back alligators, yeah. you know, alligators, dude, mad dog. Yeah, you know, funky ants, and I've always, you know, Mike. Oh, that's yeah, right, Mike. the ants, dude. Yeah, I've yeah, always, yeah. I've always had that with shit. shame, and I, yeah, on the side, that's how it's always. <laughs> you know? But uh, but I'll say this: it's it's so so hard, and I and when you do get in a band like Godsmack, you're so grateful to the right. universe. I mean, you know, it, I can't words can't describe it, but also how we talk about the pettiness of like other bands and blah, 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 and shit like that. It's, you guys got to understand Mikey and I are like true friends. Like, you know, we're not just before the music. I get besides the music, we're brothers. Yeah, for sure. The thing is, it's, and it's because of our, our history together. And I lived in for 10 years in the same town as him. So, you know, we, we came up together kind of, and like, you know, so it's different if, if, if you like have a friend that's a friend, a good friend, like like the seven seven dust dudes to me, I'll call Lejean sometime, maybe once, I don't know if I'm somewhere I'm reminded of him, it, it might be two years before I call Morgan Rose, say, hey dude, how are you? Or whatever. Or Morgan right. called me, Morgan called me a couple months ago, just out of the blue, hey man, I got, want to tell you I got this new single out or whatever it was, but they're friends, but 
I want to stress, you know, Mike and I are friends. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, Old you school, know, man. Yeah, brother, for sure. There's a difference. Therefore, you know, we we know, like, he doesn't, I like what he does. He likes what I do. But there'd never be a moment where I'd have to say, yeah, I'm not really into that, bro. Because yeah. he's, we're too, it's too, we're the, too much the same musically. And everything. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And all we used to do was like listen to music. That's you know, and drink. Dude, but <laughs> mid nineties, mid nineties, man. Yeah, that, that that apartment with that six four Impala and Wit was living up in the up in the. He was your neighbor and Klaus. The snot house, dude. The snot house. It the snot house. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it was a party. It was the nineties. It was great, man. I mean, like. Yeah. Party, yes, we did. <laughs> How about this? We had the snot house, right? All the guys in snot lived together in one house, yes, okay. And we rehearsed next to the local strip club next door. <laughs> so we'd be jamming in the day, take a break, and go into the strip club, and pull the <laughs> strippers out. Oh, yeah, they'd be wanting to hang out with us because we're snot, and we'd they'd come and watch us jam, and then we'd take them back to our apartment. Or not apartment house, the snot house, and they would buy us all groceries, and you know they had money, we didn't. And then yeah, and then we'd the go, irony. You know, that's that's such the cliche. The strippers paying your bills. That's, yeah, that's... you know, but that's really smart. I mean, because you want to know why strippers have such disposable incomes. Like, if there's anything I've ever noticed from strippers, they're like, oh, I'm like when they go out with their friends, they buy the expensive bottle of Moe. They go out for dinner, and you're like, how do you get this? Like, oh, this is just like one night. You're like, really? So the, good for you guys for making use want of that. Way back then, I was more like, get, let's get a bottle of Jack. Tell <laughs> <laughs> the strippers uh, what to buy. But then anyway, so then yeah, and then and then we had this house, the strip club, the local place, Toast Tavern, where we could sell it out at any time we play it. And then Shannon living up the street, and Klaus and Dave, and we, at that time, it was so fucking fun, man. Ninety four, ninety five. Tight scene, man. It was a yeah. Street, man, we had we owned State Street. It was a very tight scene, and yeah, I remember the first time I ever went. Whitfield Crane took me to the Snot House, and it was broad daylight, big like keg in the backyard party. You know, yeah, I, of course, always. All the people there, and I, it was the first time I met Lynn Strait, and yep. it was it was a perfect for me meeting Lynn for the first time because I happened to have a bad brain shirt on, so I immediately oh, yeah. he liked he liked me right away because of oh, that. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know, so I was in. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, I think it was one of the first times I ever saw a dude with tattoos on his head. Shannon's got a hat and hair right now, but he has tat- tattoos on both sides of his head. You know, and I just kept looking at that like, that's the coolest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like, not only does he rip on the drums and I'm totally like man crushing drum wise now, he's got fucking tattoos on his head. And we're snot, you know, we we thought we were hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was cool, man. Oh, my gosh. Definitely. One thing I have to say that I love about both of you, and I've only gotten to know you a little bit, is you're both so authentic and you have such great stories. And I really admire that I feel like from beginning to end, you've always just done it and, like, gone out and done what feels right and intuitive. And yeah. obviously you've come together as friends, and it's not a surprise because I feel like you both have that similar spirit. And that's so amazing to, like, see this the longevity yeah. of your friendship and all these overlaps. And I, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like there is For this sure. ebb, and, ebb, ebb and flow in the music industry where the people of a similar yeah. spirit eventually come together, you know? So it's, it's really weird. Cool like to we've see been that. in different bands forever, but it almost feels like we're in one big band, like with him and 
the tumor and Jamie and Sonny and and the guys in UKJ, we just felt like we're like one big band, even though we weren't. I don't know. We really like, loved each other. Like that. You and Soulfly, you know, like we could get in a band with Roy Mayorga, who was right. Amen, sound man. We're, we're all one big. The scene was so tight, like System of a Down used to open for Snot. I mean, it's, right. a, it's a scene, man. Yeah, definitely. It's it felt crazy. like that. And we, yeah. When we see each other or talk, like even now, we haven't. I, I didn't even call Shannon before this interview. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm by waiting. the way, I put smiley face and heart back because I was still out finishing. I got finished feeding my fish. So I only have my, my Apple Watch thing. So uh, I just. Oh, okay. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want to like burn that card of when we first saw each other. Like, hey, yeah. dude, you know, I wanted to be authentic instead of talking for like, what are we going to talk about, dude? Right. No, I wanted right. to be I like this, that. you know, spontaneous. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So it's you guys had, you know, in the mid '90s, like the this just crazy party scene um you know in the in the following years were there any like good stories where you guys maybe ran into each other after some time on tour uh, if- yeah i ran into shannon in england when we played uh ozfest at milton Keynes, and he yeah. was an amen and i was in Soulfly. that was pretty fucking epic um <laughs> <Go on. laughs> we we crushed eighty thousand people right before slipknot which was nuts and then I went over to the second stage, which is a huge stage, and Amen put on this performance that was just outright dangerous. Like it was insane. <laughs> it was dangerous. It was dangerous. Can you uh, describe how is it dangerous? Well, Casey's like symbol <laughs> stands in the crowd with symbols on them. I mean, people hurt, right? You know? Right. Yeah, people got like, hurt, man. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, Casey Chaos. I mean, the name couldn't be any more fitting. Um, when he's on the stage, I mean, he would jump up on the marshal with a head and a cabinet and the marshal be doing this. Oh, my you God. Know, and Sonny be rocking. And then he'd jump off and fly into the drum set and <laughs> drums would fly. And Shannon's still crushing whatever's in front of him. And people are trying to put it back up and they hit the drum in their face while they're trying to set it up. And, and then Casey would come over right after a setup and just grab the cymbal and throw it across the stage. Like they just put that back. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Oh, wow. poor this, is, this is in front of fucking 80,000 people. <laughs> In England, and I was sitting on stage like these are my bros, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and and ironically, you know, Tumor and Sonny from Snot were in Amen after right. tragedy. Right. So my brothers were playing with my brother Shannon and his brothers and me, and then we sat on the second stage after they closed it down. Remember that and watched Black Sabbath together. Yes. First time Ozzy'd been there in 25 years or something with Sabbath. Wow. We watched oh my, that. Damn. Yes, we did. And Tool, I think, played. Yeah, to Tool, Tool played too at Slipknot. <coughs> and, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, I'll never forget that Tool, because it happens, but Danny Carey made a mistake and got, got all out of time in, uh, what the fuck song was it? <coughs> But anyway, and then they actually went, if that happens in a band like Tool, well, it's a train wreck. You have to stop. You can't. There's no way. Usually, like in a blues right. band, somebody gets off. You can look at each other or even metal and get back without having <laughs> to stop. In Tool, if you fucking get off, you got to stop. So they all stopped. And, and Keenan goes, uh, 
yeah, we're real fucking professional. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, what a dick to say that because his band, you know, call like, his boy out like that. That's not cool. <laughs> I get it. Anyway, yeah, I I remember though just sitting on that that second stage. We kind of it turned into something for the bands to be able to watch the show. Right? Is that right? We're sitting up there like me and you and Sonny and and. and Tumor, I'm kind of just all arm in arm, like watching Black Sabbath perform in England. First yeah. time in 25 years with Ozzy. I just remember that moment, like, burn that into my brain right now, because this is a moment, like, probably the greatest rock and roll mo- moment of my life. One of them. Rock and you roll know? history. Rock and roll yeah. history. We were a part of Can movie. I tell you that I that under strange happenstance, I watched Black Sabbath with Ozzy for the first time with one of your friends, John Dollyman. Dollyman, oh yeah, like a, the uh-huh. drummer yeah. from from System of a Down. Uh-huh. Uh, so I remember being backstage at the show because I was working for a magazine, and uh, I saw my friend Nicole backstage, and she got backstage because she took a hat from a drummer. Oh, okay. and later she comes out with this dude, and I'm like, wait, I think I recognize this guy. And it's John from from uh, System of a Down and Surge, and we literally watched Sabbath for the first time at the uh, at Great Woods in Mansfield, Mass, with John and Surge. Cool. And I have pictures of my brother with with John, like and John looks like he's like literally super young because it's back way back was. in the day. Yeah, but I just remember thinking to myself like because we didn't internalize it now, but now you think about a band like System of a Down who's like yeah. a legendary band, but it's like when I saw Black Sabbath with Ozzy for the first time on this exact same tour you're talking about, like, I saw that. Can, can, I, I, tie, can I tie the story into something else that's awesome? Absolutely. Shannon, when you played with, was it Ozzy or Black Sabbath? I forget. The both. Cheetah. They're both. Okay, that's what I mean. <laughs> Rockstar. <laughs> can, can we talk about that? Because... Who can say that they played with Black Sabbath? You know, play drums for Black Sabbath. That's just Shannon Osbourne might not agree. Well, she might say it never happened and just erase the tape. Uh, that, we don't need that. But, but Shannon, no, I mean, no, you know, I I actually told that story on this show, this very podcast. But but uh, in a nutshell, you know, through Whit Crane, I I Robert Trujillo would see me play with the Back Alligators of all bands and. But that was enough to make him tell Sharon Osbourne, I can replace Mike Gordon with this guy for a one-off. Right. And so, you know, because he played for Ozzy. And so it was, uh, was uh, Bill Ward was still, you know, too fat to play or sad uh. when they're reunion, you know. And, and so they got Michael Borden. And so it was 98. And so I got the call, Sharon Osbourne. I'm like, yeah, right. She's like, no, it's Sharon. And then I knew it was. <laughs> And uh, that's so badass, man. <laughs> my God. You know? To this day, it's like, I love the look on yeah. your face. It's so authentic. It's like, no matter how cool things are, Sharon Osbourne calling saying, hey, do you want to fill in for this band called Black Sabbath? Because Bill's mean, too fat. Come on. It was just, the, you know, the dream. But hold on. But did you say you played with Ozzy too? Because I love Sabbath, but I got to tell you again, just like Van Hagar, I liked Ozzy solo Blizzard of Oz era for me. The Randy Rhodes stuff was, I mean, I understand Tony Iommi was the father, Riff Master and Heavy and Geezer Butler. And I get it. Here we but go. Like Mr. <laughs> but Mr. Crowley and Over the Mountain. Resident and, musicologist and I don't of rock know, history. And, yeah. and, you know, you can't kill rock and roll. You know, the, the Lee Kerslake stuff. 
later Tommy Aldridge. That was for me. So how about about playing those songs, dude? Like Mr. Crowley and Crazy Train. Was that Ozzy Osbourne or was that Joe Holmes at that point? Well, it was. I mean, me, Zach or or Joe. It was Joe smoking Joe Holmes. And he was that like playing with him? I love Joe, man. Spirit guy. He was so amazing, and and Robert Trujillo. It was a great band. He got overlooked a lot. I feel like now in the history because people don't remember Joe Holmes. But when I saw Ozzy for the first time, it was Mike Borden, and it was Joe Holmes. Ozzy make a record. He'd get scared, and he and and say, "I need Zach, or else I won't be successful." But first, let me, let me go back to the Randy Rhodes thing. And so Randy Rhodes, you know, was a gift from God to Ozzy. And so that's what all of a sudden Ozzy's solo work was completely different from Black Sabbath, yet it was still Ozzy, his voice, the voice of Black Sabbath, even though Ron James Dio's record was awesome, right? But so Dio Ozzy, was the goat, man. So I understand what you're saying about, you know, it's not Tony Iommi or whatever, but Randy Rose was something as special as Tony Iommi, just in a different way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, those are both influential in completely, completely different way. I mean, look, Tony Iommi. I mean, you can say the Kinks and all those bands made the heavy sound, but Tony Iommi, for me and for so many people, like was the sound of heavy. You know what I mean? Like Steppenwolf said, heavy metal. Uh, you know, in a song, but it was Tony Iommi. Heavy metal thunder. But, Heavy metal thunder, but then you know that's 1968 with Steppenwolf. But then you have like Tony Iommi, and he made it. But then Randy Rhodes, I felt like other than you know, obviously Eddie Van Halen was doing the super virtuoso crazy stuff in a really cool way. But Randy did the virtuoso stuff, but in a virtuoso way that wasn't wanky. It was very classical, and it was like almost like if Beethoven came back to life and said, "Hey, Ozzy Osbourne, do you want to remake that career and make something that's even more technically proficient than what Tony Iommi?" Me does and that's what Blizzard of Oz was and then we lost Randy so it's now legendary just because of the fact that what could have been we just don't know well we got Diary of a Madman also Thank well it God. came out of the same sessions right it wasn't that like the same it was Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman were pretty much like made within months of each other right yes. I don't know but it sounds about right yeah Axe Max Norman I'll tell you no that's correct and uh, that's why those records are so magic both of them are as good as the, the net you, sometimes it's Absolutely. The song isn't quite as good. Well, Diary was better. The song Diary of a Madman. I mean, hey Randy guys, was- hold on one sec, okay? Go Wait, ahead and keep yeah, one yeah, sec. Well, dude, Diary of a Madman is one of the greatest Randy Rhodes li- riffs it's, of all time. It's like classical music, kind of. I mean, you have Lost Symphony. That's more like classical music, but it reminds me of classical music when I hear Diary of a Madman. It's so symphonic sounding. I have to go back and learn some more. I learned one Randy Rhodes solo, but I, I got to go back and learn well, all we of We got to go because, back and have yeah. you do Carl Orff before because that's what he used to come out to was Carmina Barada. Yeah. Um, and the, the, ah, 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 Ozzy came out to, has always come out to that. So that's when he would come out. <laughs> was we're doing Over the Mountain. Right? We did Over the Mountain, by the way, Shannon. And you know, I said to her, because she was like, well, well, how can we make this more classical? I'm like, well, if you want to make it like a real Aussie fan, anyone who listened to Bootlegs of Randy Rhodes, because there's no live version of Over the Mountain available, listen to it. It was always track number one on the bootleg, and he'd come out to Carmina Barada. So I said, if we were going to do a cover of Over the Mountain and we had a violinist, we just had to have her cover Carl Orff, because it just sounds like it's the right thing to do if you're going to be doing Randy Rhodes, because that's what Randy would have come out to. Nice. Right? Well, Am I right? Yeah. Funny story. So when I played for Ozzy Osbourne, which was the same day <laughs> opening for Black Sabbath, but so 
I, you know, went in the Ozzy Osbourne, there was an Ozzy Osbourne dressing room where, where Robert, Joe, me, and Ozzy were before the Ozzy. And then there was, of course, the Black Sabbath dressing room where me, Ozzy, and Tony were, right? So, so in the, in the, um, in the Ozzy dressing room, I dressed in white for the Ozzy gig, you know, and then when I went to the Black Sabbath, I dressed in all black. <laughs> but, um, but what was my point? I had a, no, I had a reason for saying that. It doesn't that. matter if you're black or white. No. A cheetah, really? You had a cheetah well, ben, ben, was, ben was saying how they would come out to or Carl Orff that did that spark a memory starting oh, the yeah. Aussie show. Yes. Randy but Rhodes. Didn't spark it so hard that I remember. <laughs> Diary of a Madman. <laughs> But it's playing sparkling. with Ozzy. The sentence started well when I was playing with Ozzy Osbourne. So anything you said after that was pretty great, no matter what. <laughs> it works. <laughs> you walked into his, his dressing room and you were looking at him as he was looking at you. Oh, well, I'll, I can say this funny story. So he said, You don't, and it was before we went on the Ozzy show, and he looked at me and, and I was all dressed in, in fucking white, white beard, white shorts, you know, like chucks. And he was like, Look good. You look good. No eyeliner. And I go, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't wear any eyeliner. Right? He's got <laughs> ass eyeliner. He goes, he goes. Well, you know why I, I use the eyeliner? Because after the tenth row, no one can really see your eyes without it. And but with with the thick eyeliner on, fifty rows back, it looks they they could see. It's it true. Oh. And I and I never That's forgot that. And I, Always, it became a habit to put eyeliner on before we go on stage. A any band I'm in, uh, it's just because Ozzy told me that. Because Ozzy, yeah, okay. Wow, I take that advice. I used to, <laughs> I used to wear eyeliner because I thought chicks made me think it was like vampire-like and it made me hotter. So it'd be like, but I'm in a band. That's you true know. too. That works. Too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey Shannon, Shavon's like, no, that doesn't work in Miami. Shannon, remember that Les Paul that I had? That I did the old Les Paul, the early snot. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I thought I'd break it out for you. Yeah. yeah there it is. There oh, it wow. Is. That's the one, Shannon. The same one, brother. Yeah. We get the full story on that one on your last episode, Mike. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. Go check out Mikey Dolan. Such a good story of that guitar. Talking Shannon about Wyote and Channel Zero. That's the, the one. And snot. Yeah. That's the one they recorded the album with. Yeah. Get some. Yeah. That sat at a club or, a, excuse me, like a bar or something like that, right? On the well, beach? Yeah, well, yeah. It's right, sat, and then you got it back. Yeah, I remember Velvet Jones, Shannon. Of course. And, and Craig, Craig the owner. Well, yeah. af after um, I beat the shit out of the guitar on stage, it was unplayable. It was just neck was like this way, and just it was just destroyed from beer and blood, and, you know, <laughs> thrown it across the stage. Not sunny. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a classical guitar. music concert. Not, not, not a bad troll. Just like, hey, bro, you know. Um, uh, Craig put it on the wall at Velvet Jones for 17 years. It sat up there, and I would go in there and drink or whatever, and I'd see it up on the wall. Hey, there it is, unplayable Les Paul that I had so much great times with. And then, um, of course, it sat there through all those other bands coming through there. Well, when Velvet Jones closed, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago. Um, Craig called me and said, hey, man, we got to have dinner together. I didn't even think about the guitar or nothing. I'm sure. So I went to Santa Barbara, had sushi with him. 
And he's like, hey, man, I got something in the car for you. And we went out to the car and he broke a case out and this was in it fully refurbished oh, and yeah. redone. What a champion. Wow. Dude, right. Right. Dude. It was unplayable piece of garbage wood. It was firewood. And he had it completely rebuilt and fucking like new for me, dude. And gave That's, it to me. Wow. That's epic. Right. So yeah, are, you, are you still using that one on stage? Nope. This no. one's kind of retired, you know, yeah. um, it's in the case in the, in the house um if if snot for some reason was ever to get on stage again somehow i would mm-hmm. break this guitar out and play it yeah for that's sure awesome absolutely that's not good maybe you get the hologram of ronnie james dio to come out as a hologram of lynn straight on two box of cork be hanging out backstage that'd be cool <laughs> you get bonnaroo remember that guys yeah. that was awesome <laughs> yeah but but shannon right craig the man Man, that's you know. um, above and beyond. That's what that's called. Right. It really is. I, dude, when he broke it out, I opened it. I was like, dude, I couldn't help it. Tears came out of my eyes. I cried like a bitch right there, for sure. <laughs> I did, man. Yeah. <laughs> and they took a picture of me. I'm like looking up. Wasn't that, wasn't that a song that you did or something like that, Shannon? Crying like a bitch. Crying yeah, yeah, like yeah, a bitch. I, and I gave Sully that title. He ran with the Nikki Six thing or whatever, but... <laughs> I gave him the title of it. So, so that, so that's actually, so the way that you just used it was because it's normally yeah, in your vernacular, and now it's a number one. It was a number one single, probably because all your songs are like number. Is one. Mikey waiting on dinner. It was the number one. My wife's over here cooking. Yeah, can you hear it? No. Yeah. Dude, good ass. for good for no. Listen, I ate. I my fiance just gave me like in Tupperware. I, I was like, babe, could like she's like, it's already ready. I already knew you were gonna miss out on me. <laughs> what are you making there, babe? Dude, Steak and broccoli. Isn't this yeah. awesome? Good for dude. That sounds delicious. Yeah. I'm with, uh, this dude. This is how he builds all the muscle, man. Yeah, Mexican. The, honestly, like, <laughs> congratulations because so many people. You know, you. I know you said when you were on our show that you got like the COVID fat, and oh yeah, yeah and dude. So like, I'm just telling you, like, so when we when I sent you Chapter Three, our record, which if you uh-huh. guys again, have which not is got, amazing. I sent yeah. I sent I sent him like the download link for Chapter Three, and we'll send you guys the full vinyl so you can enjoy yeah. all the artwork yeah. and stuff. But like, you called me from the bike, dude. You're like, who the fuck is playing on this? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Marty. Freeman. I'm like, it's Marty Freeman. But like, but here's the thing: is it's not just Marty. It's Joey Concepcion. It's Jimmy Bell. Like David Ellison played on Who's it. The with, guy, the, the guitar player, you were telling me about the best Jimmy guitars. Bell. Dude, yeah, Jimmy the Bell. The best. Okay, yeah. so they're the best picker in my mind, like oh, on yeah. the planet, as far as it just sounds like he's trying to murder the pick. Even more than Ingve is a guy named Very Jimmy fast. Bell. Yeah. Like he was really? runner up to Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, I mean, to Zach Wild, excuse me, in the 80s. And the reason he didn't get it supposedly was like some, you know, personal things. But he played with like Joan Jett for a while. He was in that movie with Michael J. Fox and Joan Jett. But uh-huh. he now plays for Autograph, okay? But he's like, I don't want to say he's the Randy Rose for Autograph because I don't want him to die, okay? But he's like <laughs> the best thing that could have ever happened to any band because he does a guitar solo, but he's a lefty, okay? And he always complains that like he can't do the sweet picking. He can't he's do a lefty? Yeah. He, but he doesn't need to. Because he literally plays like, and I'm not throwing my boy Rusty Cooley under the bus, but if Rusty Cooley played like Brian Setzer, 
That's mm. like he like he plays like these like completely like Brian Setzer like yeah. old school yeah. Les Paul per- style. The percussive, shit. the percussive picking is the, fun, like but you uh, dude, if you want to freak your fucking, if you want to say to yourself, I've never ever seen someone pick like this, go look up J I M I space Bell. Listen to him on our record. You hear, you'll, you'll, you'll hear him just by his picking, just by his picking. You when you hear I'll the crazy picking, ass, yes. the ferocious picking. You'll go, that's Jimmy Bell, and he's playing it left-handed. And there's no cheating. It's, and it's just him doing takes. And he'll call us afterwards, Benny, are you sure you got it? Meanwhile, yeah. Corey's like, I don't know which one to use. They're all fucking ridiculous. <laughs> you got 15 amazing takes. <laughs> right. How do you choose? Uh, that's cool. But yeah. Listen, I, so he, I, yeah, I know you, well, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. I was going to say, I think I got to cut it a little bit, guys. And I want to give some love to Shannon. Like, man, uh, I'm so glad we got to do this together, Absolutely. bro. My uh, bro. I, we got a, a very long friendship, man. And every time I see you, it's just like I saw you yesterday. And I'm just really happy to be able to share this. It's cool. I love you, my man. I do. Me too. Yeah. I miss you too. And we, we appreciate you guys coming on. Dude, we, yeah, we, thanks we, to both we love of you. This, this is you so guys. cool to observe. It's. Cool. I just want to like breathe it in because you guys are so genuine. And it was fun because like we could genuinely say we brought our friends together. And yeah, for sure. I, I learn stuff every single time because you yeah. know what I, I I call myself a defender of the faith and I throw around a lot of like semi true facts, but it's always really nice <laughs> to hear like people it. who are really there. And mm-hmm. you guys set the record straight, like, hey, no, this is how it happened. And I also appreciate you guys being so candid because you know, look, it's a hard thing. And I appreciate, thank yeah. you for telling us and also sharing. Let's take a moment to share in the memory that was Ollie Herbert and the memory that was Lynn Straight and all yeah, the man, friends that we've sure. lost. All so thanks to all those great guys. heroes, man. Yeah, for sure, bro. Got Absolutely. you. Respect. Okay, dudes. Yeah. Go have some amazing Thank steak so and much, broccoli. Guys. Okay, much love to you guys. Shannon, <laughs> you're, you're you. on notice, Thank bro. You. We better be jamming soon, man. <laughs> yes, we will. We will. I, I want to see that. Hell yeah. It's going to be... It's Listen, gonna, Shannon, the buzz has started, my friend. Stay, the yeah, buzz stay has tuned started. Stay 2020 for the updates. <laughs> Just don't give him a mic, Shannon. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 39, also featuring Shannon Larkin. Check it out. You know, I was like, I stroked out in my late 40s from all the fucking headbanging and shit. And uh, I mean, literally had a stroke and was in the hospital. Oh my gosh, wow. I did. And so, and my doctors were like, you can't bang your head anymore like that and whatever, you know. You rocked way too hard, man. I was trying to, you know, put like sunglasses on on stage because I I just forget and start banging my head. Sure, yeah, it's like muscle memory, of course, yeah. I still do, by the way. and, And it turned out that uh, I got a heart surgery. I had a hole in my heart. <gasps> and that was allowing these blood clots to slip through. And and then when a blood clot slips through and goes to your brain, like typically it goes through the four parts of your heart and it just dissipates the blood clot so that it doesn't go and hit your brain. If the blood clot hits through and hits your brain, it makes a stroke. Pow! So, you know, I was in my kitchen. Bang! It's like I thought it was home intrusion or something. You know, all of a sudden I got felt like it loves a stroke man this 
is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.